Joining the Highbury squad right now is Chief Football Writer for The Times and overall journalistic guru, Mr. Henry Winter. Henry, welcome to the show. Hello, Sophie. How are you? Not too bad. Joining me, of course, is Super Kev, Super Kevin Campbell. Hi. Hi, Henry. How are you, Soph? Hi, Henry. How are you doing? Hi, Kevin. I'm very, very good. I'm at Ellen Road, so it's a little bit noisy. I'm sure. I'm (laughs) sure. I hope it's a good game. Yeah. Henry, before we get started with, obviously, the the big news, just wanted to gauge the temperature around Ellen Road and Leeds. We're seeing some protests um, that are are being drummed up um, from various supporter groups. Uh, This seems to be the biggest story in football since probably the inception of the Premier League in our country. What's the tone there this evening? I think it's one of those stories where, I mean, you rightly called it a protest, but everyone's on the same side. You've got some Liverpool fans in the middle holding up their banner. You've got quite a few Leeds United fans are coming on and supporting them, understanding their anger. The Leeds players have just run out past me with a T-shirt saying uh, football's for the fans. Bielsa has come out and talked about his dislike of the rich. I think it's one of those stories that has, you know, it's a rare in football, it's a rare in life, that everyone, apart from six owners who think they know better, um, everyone's sort of united on. That's really incredible. That um, I, I don't think we would expect anything less from Bielsa, especially the fact that the players have come out with slogans on their shirts. Can you tell our listeners, who are, of course, hugely concerned that Arsenal Football Club are involved in this, um, the other Premier League teams, of course, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about ripping the guts out of how we've grown up to love and watch football. Money is the winner here in so many respects, Henry. Um, it's not signed, sealed and delivered yet, but it seems to be so far down the line where Florentino Perez is coming out and talking on behalf of, of the group. Can you, can you tell us and give us your assessment on this whole situation overall? I think the initial reaction with stories like this bubble up is, is it simple sabre-rattling? Is it posturing in terms of trying to get a better deal out of UEFA? But from early this morning, when leading figures in the, you know, the plotters, the breakaways, uh, Manchester United started resigning positions, influential positions within UEFA and within the ECA, the European Clubs Association, you knew that this is not simply sabre-rattling. This is, this is, they're very serious. The fact that they've been lodging cases at the uh, at the High Court already, you know, it's a, uh, this is, uh, well, look, there's one thing we can guarantee in all this is that there are going to be a lot of uh, lawyers, both sides of the pond, who are both sides of the channel as well, who are going to uh, get much wealthier. So I think it's very sad after a year in which we have seen footballers just do amazing things in lockdown. You know, I mean, take Marcus Rashford. The work that Marcus Rashford has done at Manchester United, feeding the kids of this country, and now he's associated with the club of Joel Glazer, one of the greediest men in America. So I, I just think it's, I think it's appalling timing, and I think it's an appalling concept too. Henry, as far as I'm concerned, it's obviously it feels it's disgraceful, but you know, football has turned into a business. And it turned into a business on the turning of the, the Premier League wrestling the league from the Football League. Yeah. What's, your, what's your thoughts on that now that karma seems to have come right around? What's your thoughts on that? But the thing, I agree with that. And I, I mean, people are making that comparison about what happened in 1992. But 
they still produce an incredibly competitive Premier League. Mm -hmm. You know the division well. You knew that when you came out of the tunnel, whoever you were playing against, there would be ambushes there. There was sports in jeopardy. It could be an underdog who would mm -hmm. suddenly sort of turn, turn you over. That's one of the great things about covering the Premier League is that yeah. there is this drama. There is this jeopardy. It is basically on sporting merit. You can have a club like Arsenal... Um, you know, having to needing a goal in the in the final minutes of injury time to deal with relegation threatened Fulham. Now, unfortunately, with this closed shop of the European Super League, where is the where is the jeopardy? But you're you're you know you're a fantastic professional footballer. Would you want to go onto the pitch knowing that actually there wasn't so much riding on the game because you were going to qualify for uh, Europe next next season? I think it takes out that there's tension from the midweek European games as they're suggesting. And it also, even if they're allowed back into the Premier League, it kills it. Because where is the race from the Champions League, you know, the big European position? They're all gone because they've all been sorted out in advance. Yeah, but don't you think, Henry, that the, pre the, the Premier League are cutting their nose off to spite their face by saying they'll be banned from the Premier League? Because the Premier, the, the Premier League, isn't it because of the big teams, why the deal is so big? But, but, but who defines a big team? I mean, with, with respect to your North London neighbours, Tottenham are a great club, but when did they last win the title? Yeah. You know, I mean, my local club, oh, Leicester City, yeah. won it five years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nottingham Forest have won the European Cup twice. Arsenal have been in, what, one European final? Paris, 2006, was it? Have, have, you know, have not won the European Cup. So who decides what is a big club? I wouldn't say that Tottenham Hotspur are necessarily any bigger than Leicester City at the moment. Certainly not in terms of quality of manager. Well, I suppose I've got one at the moment, unless the Dulux dog has been upgraded. <laughs> so this is, this is he's, it. He's but still this glossing is over things, yeah. He's still glossing over things. That's it. I'm getting a bit emotional here. Um, <laughs> I love it. We, we, we've got to appreciate that, look, can you play the game? You understand that you competed at the highest level. But actually now, these players are not going to have to go full throttle in games because they know their tickets to the VIP party are already there. Henry, can you know you bring up such a good point about the players in Marcus Rashford, and you know for so long the players have been the villains for fans because you know they earn a lot of money, they have this lifestyle you see it on social media, but really a lot of these players and Kevin and I talk about this a lot. They grew up just like us. Kev's an Arsenal fan. You know, he grew up in South London and you know the story of, you know, the Halen boys and back in the day, you know, David yeah. Rocastle and all these players. And I get the sense that with UEFA coming and threatening players will be banned from playing in the World Cup or the Euros for their country. It seems like the players are kind of being will, will be used as a pawn in a sense and unfairly put in another uncompromising position here where you've got them being asked questions ahead of games today. You've got managers being asked questions ahead of games today. Meanwhile, where are the owners? And, and I, I actually feel for the players today. Is that, a, is that a fair assessment? Totally a fair assessment. You couldn't have, say, couldn't have said it better, Sophie. I mean, the owners are cowards. They are allowing Tuchel to come out and speak. Jurgen Klopp was just speaking about sort of 50 yards away from me. Jurgen Klopp has got probably one of the best moral compasses in football, as a manager, he gets things like a lot of the German coaches do. And for him to be put in this invidious position by John W. Henry, 
I think it's cowardice when you cry. If my employer did something wrong, and I had to go up, and look, I would go up and front up because you do it, but it's still a little bit unfair. And I know that um, a few of the players have been talking amongst themselves today because they built up this connection during the pandemic, players together, the amazing work that Jordan Henderson and uh, Hector Bellerin at, uh, at Arsenal did. Mm-hmm. And But I, I just I feel for them a bit because they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. But you've seen Mesut Ozil, if I can talk about a former Arsenal player. I thought his tweet earlier, I thought it was, abs- was, was excellent and spot on. And he's called out the, uh, the plotters, as has Ander Herrera. Ex-Manchester United. The problem is, we actually need someone from the individual, from those six clubs, to turn round and call out their owners and say, "A, I want to play for my country. B, I want to play in a really tough, competitive division, and the European Super League isn't that." And I d- grew up dreaming of playing in the Champions League, possibly winning in it, and I want to play in that. Don't deny me that right. Wow. The other thing I I wanted to add um, and ask you, Henry, is that here in the States for a while, I've seen this thing called the International Champions Cup build. And year on year, it has gotten bigger and bigger. Um, You know, uh, Charlie Stilitano is behind that. Of course, he's very recognized, especially in Italian football and global football. Before we knew it, you know, there was the odd game here between Barcelona and and a, and a U.S. team, and then it grows to Real, Real Madrid playing Man City at uh, the Coliseum or the Rose Bowl or wherever. And then before you know it, there's games in Singapore, Austria. Do you think this this was the test, the, the, the beta for what's coming with the Super League? Do you, do you think that was part of the plan to see if it can work and one day maybe we'll be watching, you know, Juventus versus Arsenal in Los Angeles in the Super League? Well, it was a- well, the Premier League had a little dabble at it with the 39th game. The fans, quite rightly, all rallied against it and said, this is a nonsense. Because, and this is my issue. I have complete understanding, particularly after the pandemic, particularly after the, uh, the financial issues that a lot of these clubs have been through, you know, ticketing and, and all that, all the revenue, all the merchandising and stuff like that. I can understand they need to maximise their money somehow. But if you kill the essence of sport, which is competition, which is sporting merit, which is a meritocracy, which is jeopardy, adrenaline, risk. If you kill that, then actually the fans will turn away. And what this is also about, sadly, is about the match-going fans. Mm-hmm. This, I don't think John Darnley Henry worries about two local kids from Topster going into the cop. He worries about, he's more interested in having tourists coming to matches because they spend more on the club shop. More, more of a churn factor. He's more interested in actually the, uh, the the money coming in from overseas broadcasting. Probably each club will go streaming as well, and that will just widen the gap between the, the, the rich and you know, and even just actually the simply wealthy. So you're going to get this super elite, as you do in the as you do in America, and you have no relegation. And look, I love American sports, but I want to see a Leicester climb up two divisions. I want to see a Forest as they did years ago. I want to see Leeds United. I went to see Norwich City the other day. I know they've been bouncing up and down, but the buzz around that training ground, because they've got promotion. You can't deny people promotion, and you cannot also deny the flip side of that, which is relegation. Uh, Henry, just, just uh, this is my last question, really. You know, the, the rivalries in football, the local rivalries, are, are massive. Now, do you do you think that if 
Arsenal were still to be able to uh, participate and the six were still able to participate in the Premier League. Do, do you think that, that that would lessen the rivalries? Hmm. Uh, well, amongst other clubs, well, I mean, Tottenham would be obviously in the same division as it. I think the sad thing is, is that Arsenal are a great historic club. The sad thing is they are now going to be loathed. Not yeah. because of the fans, not because of the players, not because of a very good young manager, but because of Stan Kroenke. And I think it what was it, his 10th anniversary in charge this weekend. And the Arsenal fans have been calling out Kroenke. Talk to the fans. He doesn't talk to anyone. He clearly hasn't talked to people who understand football, who can see the pitfalls which uh, lie in wait for him with his European Super League. So in terms of your point, Kevin, look, I think football will go on. It's, it's, a, it's a resilient beast. But I think there is a long-term problem if the games mm-hmm. aren't competitive. Yep, there is. And, uh, you know, there are several American owners, Henry. You've got the Glazers, of course. You've got Kroenke. Um, you've got John Henry. Uh, you also have yeah. the Agnelli family, I think. And- Andrea Agnelli's been very vocal about doing this for, for a few years now. Um, it's all just very interesting, isn't it? Bayern Munich have said no. I'm going to get you out on this real quick. I know you have to get to the game. Bayern Munich said no. I think everyone's surprised about PSG, but the model in Germany is a little bit different with ownership. But Barcelona, 51%, um, they have fan ownership too. How is it they're getting away with this versus the um, the protectiveness of what we've seen from a Dortmund and a, and a Bayern Munich? Well, I just think there's a fan's culture mm-hmm. of dissent in German football, and they'll call out uh, their owners if they think the their owners, the clubs, if they think that the uh, ticket prices are too much. I think the German model is, is fantastic. And I, I think what's happened there is, look, how can you have a European Super League without Bayern Munich? How yep. can you have a European Super League without Ajax? Mm-hmm. They're bigger clubs than, uh, than Tottenham in Europe, and with respect to Arsenal in Europe. You know, uh, PSG, I think, is an interesting one, because I think the cynic in me thinks that maybe Qatar has said, Let's keep things calm. Let's not upset the whole world on the eve of the World Cup in Qatar. And then PSG, if you want to join in January, probably 2023. Interesting. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I hope the game's uh, good tonight. I think there are going to be a lot of people rooting for Leeds United uh, this evening. Henry, um, also great to hear you at the AST, the Arsenal Supporters Trust, everyone. Uh, I was really grateful to you for um, being a voice and, and hanging out with us, especially we're going to be talking to the Supporters Trust in the show a bit later on as well. So enjoy the game, stay safe, and let's hope that somehow we put the kibosh on this. And one final thing, Kaiser Chiefs are playing over the Tanai. I predict a riot. <laughs> Thanks, Henry. Thank you very much for your time, mate. Thanks, Henry. Take care. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. 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 That's Henry Winter from The Times. Thank you so much to Henry for joining us. 